You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. So, as you can tell, setup's a little bit different this morning. So, what what I want to do is I just want to have a conversation with you guys this morning. And we've been talking about the busyness of life and just being overwhelmed with the different expectations that we put on ourselves, the expectations that other people put on us, the expectation of our culture, of our world, and how we just constantly are going and going and doing and we get exhausted, we're overwhelmed, and how we can really find rest in Jesus. Not physical rest, but spiritual rest rest, how we can find rest for our souls. And over the first three weeks of this series, we looked at how Jesus really wants to give us rest. And this morning, I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about this topic because today is going to be a decision day for each of us. Today, we're going to have to make a decision whether we're going to choose Jesus or we're going to choose the things of this world. And you may be thinking, man, that's pretty bold to say that. This is just another Sunday. It's just another day. But this is the truth. This is what we know, is that every single day we have to make that choice. Every single day we have to make the choice of, man, I'm going to chase after Jesus or I'm going to chase after the things of this world. So I think if we can collectively understand that, and we can converse, and we can talk, and we can see what the Bible says, then together we can take that step of chasing Jesus, so then when we're not together, maybe we have some encouragement to know, hey, at church Sunday, we took that step. We made that choice, and we want to continuously make that choice. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. It's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. When I was growing up playing baseball, I had this coach who... um, who loves Jesus, and this was his number one uh, passage to us. Matthew 6.33 was just kind of that verse that he just constantly threw at us as baseball players because I don't know if you know many baseball players, but they tend to be arrogant. So the more arrogant you are, the less you're really focusing on Jesus. So this coach knew that, and he knew that, hey, if we can just seek after Jesus, then all this other stuff will kind of fall into place. And I think he took this verse out of context a little bit when, when I think about it. But at you know, 12, 13 years old, it was great. I wrote it on my baseball hat, didn't really understand what it meant. So what I want to do today is I want to actually put it in its context, and I want us to see how it can really change our life. Because if you don't believe that Scripture can change your life, then you're missing out. Because it can. Amen? Scripture is, is living, it's active, and it can change hearts, and it can change lives. And that's the reason that we focus on Jesus and we focus on the Word of God is because we know that nothing I say can change your heart. Only the Spirit can do that. Now, He uses us to be vessels, and He uses us to, to be tools for Him and for the kingdom, but it's the Holy Spirit that does the work and He speaks to us 
not only through his vessels and his tools, but through his word. And this morning, as we, as we look at this, you're going to be happy to know that I only have two points this morning. I don't even have three. We're going we're gonna to hit these, but what we're going to do is we're going to get really intimate with this. And I want you to, to really understand before you leave this place how you can make the decision to follow Jesus, to choose Jesus, to put Jesus first, and not chase after the world. So let's read. We'll be in Matthew 6, starting in verse 31. It says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak through your spirit this morning. God, I pray that we leave this place taking steps toward you, choosing you, loving you, and understanding what it is that you want from us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the, the first three weeks of this series, again, we looked at Jesus and how he wants to give us rest and how if we come to him, we'll get rest for our souls. And then these last two weeks starting today and then next week, we're going to look at what we can do. And today we're going to look at priorities and we're going to look at setting priorities. And this is something that is difficult. How many of you have a hard time really organizing? You can be honest, this is a safe place. That's why we're here together in a semi-circle so that we can, we can really be honest and open with each other. So just think of this as a big life group where we get to talk with one another. But how many of you struggle with organizing, whether it's priorities or tasks or whatever? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I believe that I'm pretty good at organizing. If you're looking at my wife right now, she is not believing that I'm good at organizing. Her face is probably telling you that. So what does it look like to really set your priorities in the right order? Because there's a lot of stuff. That's what we're talking about. But if we want to find rest, then we have to have the priorities right. So what is, what is competing Right for our attention, for our time. What, what is competing for that top spot? And it could be anything in your life. For some of you, it's, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's your husband, your wife, and you want to put them first above all else. And you want to honor them, and you want to love them, and you want to serve them, and you want to protect them, and you want to provide. And that's all great. Some of you, it's work. You want to work hard because it is part of providing. You want to be able to make the best decisions. You want to be able to change the culture of your workplace. You want, to, you want to be able to just say that you're successful and you want to work. And that's a top priority for you. For some of you, it's parenting. And you want your kids to, to be the best kids in the neighborhood. And if you come to my neighborhood, I don't know if there's any good kids. So, I mean, it's really a low bar in my neighborhood, so I could shoot for that, and maybe I'll get there. But some of us want to be the best parents. 
Some of us want to be the, the friendliest parent. Some of us want to be the most structured parent. Some of us want to be the, the strictest parent. Some of us want to be whatever it may be. And we put that as the top priority. Some of us want to make money and more money and more money. Some of us want to fit in and that's the top priority. We want people to like us. And we talked about this in our life group this past Wednesday that it doesn't matter who you are. There's something inside of you that wants people to like you. And you may not really care if everybody likes you, but there's something inside of every human that wants to be accepted by someone else. And we can allow that to drive us and become our top priority. But what does Scripture say? So here's point number one. Scripture says this, to seek God first. To seek God first. Now, you may be thinking, what is, what is he talking about? Why is this even written? And it really boils down to verse 24. And verse 24 of Matthew 6 says this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's what's happening. There's stuff that's vying for your commitment. Whether it's your marital relationship, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's a parental relationship, whether it's work, whether it's making money, whatever it may be, there's stuff that wants your attention. And so often, we set those things at the top of our priority list. And God falls somewhere down here, wherever we can fit Him in. Let's just be honest. He usually falls wherever we can fit Him in. And sometimes that means He doesn't even show up on the list. Because we're so busy chasing things of this world that we lose sight of what's most important, and it's Jesus. And he says this, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So he says, first of all, seek his kingdom. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we just think about heaven? Does that mean that we just, everything we do, we just, we wanna, we just want to get to heaven so it's cool. Whatever happens down here just happens down here. And man, we're just going to we're going to hope that we get there pretty soon. I mean, I don't know what you think that means, but I want to tell you what Scripture says that means. And first of all, I just want us to, to think about how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Right. And a lot of people call this the Lord's Prayer and that you may know it. That's another thing we did in baseball before every game. We said the Lord's Prayer. Maybe they thought Jesus was going to be on our side and we'd win. Didn't work out a lot, but we still said the Lord's Prayer before every game. So I, I just grew up reciting this prayer, never really understanding what it meant. But this talks about the kingdom, right? The Lord's Prayer talks about the kingdom. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what that means is God's kingdom is our responsibility as the church to bring the kingdom of God down and be heaven on earth. Now, that's not a literal 
thing. There's no way that we're bringing heaven down, right? So I don't want you to take that literally. What I want you to understand is that God has given us a responsibility to be His hands and His feet. It means that the church should, in essence, reflect heaven. That we should be worshiping with everything that we are. That we should be seeking after God with everything that we are. That we should be loving God with everything that we are. Here's the problem. We begin to chase after things of the world and God just gets pushed to the side. Now, I don't want you to to think that that's not happening to you, right? I don't want you to just brush this off. I want you to really think about this. I want you to think about your life and what you spend most of your time doing. I want you to think about who you're really seeking or what you're seeking. Because I think if we can really dig deep, if we can peel back some of these layers, that we'll see that God's not the top priority in our life. And I watched the Braves last night clinch, um, and they're going to the World Series. And I, I know that some of you don't care anything about that. I care a lot about that, right? I'm a huge Braves fan. I've been watching them since I could walk. I just, I love them. I've, I've just invested time and energy into them, right? And last night when they won, I just, I kind of just stuck my arms up in the air. I was downstairs by myself so nobody could see me. Ashley was upstairs and I just don't want her to see the emotional stuff going on over a baseball game. So she was up doing whatever and I was just down um, at the kitchen table and I just stuck my arms up in there in victory. And I, and I started thinking, man, I just invested a lot of time. I just invested four hours into watching this game because me watching really makes a difference for them in Atlanta or wherever they're playing. And it's important that I'm tuning in because they know that Dustin's watching in the Augusta area and it's important for us. But I started thinking, man, am I investing as much time into the kingdom? Am I investing as much time into the Savior? Am I investing enough time into a God who loves me? And then my second thought was, a lot of times we talk about lifting hands in here for worship and how it's just a a sign of surrender. But you know what I realized last night? It's also a sign of victory. That we have a God who's already won the battle. So when we lift our hands up, we're saying, hey, we surrender to you. We want to chase after you, but we have victory because of you. And how special is that? That we get to come in this place, whether we're sitting in a circle, whether we're sitting in rows, or whether we don't even have chairs. We get to come into a place together as a family and seek after God. Some of you walked into this place and saw these chairs and said, yep, don't like that at all. And that's okay, right? We're used to a certain thing. We're used to chairs being in rows. We're used to everybody being on the stage. This is something different. Some people don't like change. I get that. But here's the truth. That we don't come here for any type of tradition. And it doesn't matter how these chairs are set up or if the stage is used. 
Because we're not here for that. We're seeking after God first and foremost. So as we sit here in a circle, it doesn't change the fact that God is still God and that we're here for Him. Not for us. And not for a certain setup. And I know that, man, a lot of you have a Baptist background, and that means that you have a assigned seat, even though your name's not on it, and you sit there every week. Like, I get it. I grew up like that. And if somebody was in my pew, it wasn't a good day. For me, I wasn't going to tell them to move. It's like, that's my pew. For one, I can see the girl over there, like, perfectly, and I don't want to sit anywhere else. Because that's why I went to church, right? I wanted to see the pretty girls at church. Here, the truth is this. If we're not seeking after God above all else, then our life is never going to be a life of rest in Him. We're going to constantly be overwhelmed with the things of this world because we're allowing the things of the world to take a top priority when we're intended to allow God to be in that spot. And we're supposed to bring His kingdom down to earth. Luke 13 says this. says, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So they're asking, hey, so what's the kingdom of God like? And the response is, this is what it's like. It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took. He planted it. It grew up into this huge tree. It it blessed the things around it. The kingdom of God is like this, that we individually allow God to penetrate our hearts and our souls and our minds, and we begin to seek Him first, and then we sprout up into a mature disciple of Jesus, and things around us, people around us are blessed because of the Spirit within us. And you may not believe that you have the ability or you have the authority or you have the skills to ever impact the world around you. And I want you to understand that that's somewhat true. Not to be mean, right? But none of us, without the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability or the authority or the skills to impact people for the kingdom. And I want each one of you in this room to be able to walk out of these doors and still be the church of God. I want you to be seeking after Him. I want that that grain of mustard seed to be planted within you, and I want it to sprout up, and I want it to become the biggest tree in the area, and I want it to bless people around you, not for your sake, but for the sake of the kingdom of God, so that people will come to know the transforming love and power of the Savior. But it can never happen unless we're seeking God first. Not only do we seek His kingdom, but it says we also seek His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
we don't only seek after him and try to bring heaven to earth and try to be kingdom-minded, but we seek after him to try to live like him, to try to be like him. We're not righteous at all. We've talked about this a lot here, that we only, we only have a relationship with Jesus because of his blood. That the righteousness of God is imputed to us. And you may be thinking, yeah, I don't really know what that means. That's a big word. Like, can you explain it a little bit? And that's cool because I had to look it up myself. This is what it means, right? It means that on our own, that we've fallen short of God's glory. It means that we're dirty, that we're filthy, that we're, we're unworthy of a relationship with God. It means that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we can say. There's nothing we can think that will ever get us to heaven, that will ever get us a relationship with Jesus on our own. We're unrighteous people. But because Jesus came and He knew no sin, which meant He lived a perfect life, He became a perfect sacrifice for us so that when He died on the cross, He not only died for us, right? He died for us, He died instead of us. I want to say that again. He didn't just die for us. He died instead of us. That we should face death. And not just physical death. Eternal death. Separated from Him. But because of His love, because of His grace, because of His blood that was shed on the cross, we can put our faith in Him. We can begin a relationship with Him and then we take on His righteousness. God no longer looks at the dirty, sinful Dustin. He looks at the righteousness of Christ that covers me because I have a relationship with Him. And because of that righteousness, I want to live more like Jesus. Not because I have to to be saved, because I want to because He saved me. I don't know if you've ever been like saved in real life, like a real type of physical type of saving, but I know someone who has experienced that. They're in a house, house caught on fire. They were trapped. Someone came in, saved them. The one that came in and saved them ended up dying. This is a true story. And I know we hear this a lot, but I've never met anyone that experienced this. But I, I listened to this person tell the story that they're alive and someone else isn't because someone else gave their life. Someone else went into trouble and that's what they're trained to do and that's what they want to do. They gave their life. But man, the, the gratefulness and the gratitude that this person has is just amazing to me. They didn't even know this person. But they've begun to learn about them over time, to talk to their family, to learn who they were, to, to learn what they liked. And they feel 
connected to them in a way that's just remarkable to me. They never met them physically. But because of the connection with them saving their life, they started to just want to learn more and more about this person. And they just feel connected even though they never met. And how much more is that true for us? We have a Savior who died not only to save us here and now, but to give us eternal life and to give us life to the fullest right here, right now. Why, why would we not want to seek after Him more than anything else and learn about Him? Want to be more like Him? Not because we have to, but because we desire that. Because we desire to be more like the Savior of the world. So we see, we seek God first. And then number two is this, we trust God most. We go back to verse 31, it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So they're worrying. They're worrying about stuff. And here we see that, hey, why, why are you worried? God knows what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. Not what you want. Let's just be real. He knows what you want, but He may not give you that. He knows everything that you need. We have to trust Him most. Here's the problem. Here is, here's what I, I found in time. Is that what we do is we, we go to church on Sunday. We say, I'm trusting God. I know God's going to take care of that. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to turn it over to God. I'm going to let God do what God can do. And then when we leave this place, we grab whatever it was that we said we were going to give to God and we take it out the door with us. And we continue to worry. And the worry leads us straight into the busyness trap. And we get overwhelmed because of the worry and because of the busyness. And we're not seeking after God first. And we're definitely not trusting Him the most. How many times do we say, I'm just trusting God. And then our entire day is consumed with worry about the very thing we said we're trusting God to handle. Man, it happens so much. If we're going to trust Him, here's the deal. We can't worry. Do not worry. And you say, yeah, it's pretty easy to say it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. But this is what we have to understand. We have to replace worry with a concern for the kingdom. So this is, this is kind of what I gather from this verse, from this passage, is that God knows that our human nature, we're going to think about things. We're going to be concerned about things. But instead of worrying about what really doesn't matter, let's replace that worry with a concern for kingdom things. To say, hey, you know what? I understand that I, I'm really anxious about what's going to happen. I'm really anxious about 
what teacher my kid's going to get for third grade. I'm really anxious about taking this uh, vaccine so I can still have a job. I'm really anxious about going to this community and, and helping out. I'm really anxious because I feel like God's calling me to do something and I don't know if I should do it. I'm really anxious about starting high school. I'm really anxious about whatever it may be. We have to be more concerned with the kingdom than anything of this world. So I would challenge you to change your mind to say, yes, yeah, so I'm thinking about this, but how can I use whatever happens to impact the kingdom? So yeah, I'm really anxious about going to high school, but how can I impact people at school for the kingdom? I'm really anxious to see what teacher my kid gets for third grade, but how can I impact that teacher, whoever is in that situation for the kingdom? I'm really anxious about getting this vaccine so I can continue to have a job and pay the bills, but how can I use this situation to impact the kingdom? Everything that you're going through Every situation, every circumstance, everything that you find yourself thinking about and being anxious about, there's a possibility and an opportunity to impact the kingdom within that. Whatever it is. And what we have to do is we have to seek after God first. We have to trust Him the most and say, hey, please show me the opportunity to impact the kingdom. Show me what I can do. Tell me what you want me to do. And then we take the step to do it. So we trust God most by not worrying, and then we do not fear. And man, this is a tough one. And some of you are like, I ain't afraid of nothing. And that's, that's what I say. I ain't afraid of nothing. I ain't, I'm a man, you know? And then I get in a place and it's like, yeah, I mean, don't really want to go in there. I'm pretty scared of that. It's kind of dark. Um, you know. We, we like to be tough. That's just human nature. We like to be tough. We like to think that we're not scared of anything. We like to think that there's no fear that rises up within us. And for some people, there's not as much fear as other people. But there's a a level of fear that can rise up in everyone. And it really comes when we begin to be anxious and to worry about things, and then fear begins to creep in. Because what happens is that when fear takes over, then the trust factor begins to diminish. Because the more we fear, the less we trust. The more we trust, the less we fear. That's just how it works. So how can we trust more? Because we have a God who has promised us so much more than we could ever imagine. We have a God who promises heavenly treasure. We have a God who promises us rest in divine provision. 
We have a God who promises us fulfillment of the highest purpose for man, and that is fellowship with Him and to give Him honor and glory. And we have a promise from God that as His children, we get to be a part of His kingdom. That we get to be citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world. And we see that in the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi that and we're, we're citizens of heaven. We're not, we're not citizens of this world. Maybe you are a, a United States of America citizen. And I'm not telling you not to be patriotic and I'm not telling you not to love your country. What I'm telling you is that as a Jesus follower, as a child of God, that you are a citizen of heaven and that should be first and top and the most important thing in your life. Not just committed to your family, not just committed to your kids, not just committed at work, not just committed to your country. You are first and foremost committed to the Savior. We seek Him first. The cool part is the, the end of verse 33 says, and all these things will be added to you. It says, hey, seek after God first. Trust Him the most. And all this stuff, it'll be, it'll be taken care of. God will take care of this stuff. So those of you who are focusing on your marriage above God, when you begin to focus on God, the marriage will be taken care of. Those of you who are trying to be the best parents you can be, I want you to be the best parents you can be, but you become the best parents you can be by seeking God first. I want you to be the best coworker, the best manager, the best employee, whatever your role is. I want you to be the best, and I want you to have purpose there, and I want you to do the best you can do. And you become that by seeking after God first. It's all about seeking God first. And then all this other stuff that we begin to put above Him, it starts to work out. Maybe not exactly the way we want it to, but it works out the way that He has planned for it to work out. And guess what? Because we're trusting Him the most, the way that it's working out, it's okay. It's not going to cause us to worry. It's not going to cause us to fear because we're trusting Him more than we're trusting ourselves. We're trusting Him more than we're trusting the things of this world. It's all about Him. It always has been, and it always will be. So this morning, I started off saying, today's going to be a day of decision. Every single person in this room has a decision to make. For some of you, the decision is whether you're going to give your life to Jesus. Some of you are sitting in this room and you never truly made the decision to follow after Jesus. Maybe you've talked about it. Maybe you've told people you've done it. But you know, you know sitting right where you are that you've never truly 
started a relationship with Jesus, that you're, you're not following him. You're not a Christian. Yeah, you believe in the Bible. You believe in everything that he says. But you've never made the decision. And today is the day of decision for you to say, I'm going to choose Jesus today. For the first time ever, I'm choosing Jesus. For the first time ever, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. For the first time ever, I'm going to say this prayer, and it's not just going to be some words. It's going to be me giving my life to the Savior of the world because I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I know that Jesus has done everything necessary for my salvation. And I'm going to commit my life today. That's the decision that I'm going to make. For some of you, the decision is, I'm going to choose Jesus over the world. I've been living life with worldly things as my top priority, and I want to set the priorities right today. And the way that I do that is I seek after God first, and I trust God the most. And for some of you, that's the decision that you need to make this morning. And if we're gonna if we're gonna find rest in the busyness of life, our priorities have to be right. It has to be about him. But we seek him first and we trust him most. If we want to make a difference in this world, it starts with setting our priorities right. We seek him first and we trust him most. And I don't want you to leave this place this morning without making the decision that you're supposed to make. Maybe for some of you, that decision is, is a tough one. You've been battling. You've been fighting. Maybe you're worried. Maybe you just want some prayer. And I just want to invite you to, to come and pray with me or to pray with someone else that's here. But there's a decision for you to make this morning. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.